So how do you hold enough space to be able to do the emergent work? Because you don't know what the answer will be, the solution will be, the outcome will be. And in a sector such as the nonprofit sector, where we're so driven by outcomes and impact and measurement, stepping back from saying we know what the outcome will be and we're already measuring and investing for that is difficult. And so that's a tension of how to bring people along, how to find those early adopters who are willing to sit in the riskier space. So this is definitely seen as risky space for the nonprofit sector. Hi, I'm Naomi Mahaffey, and welcome to PAUSE, an Alberta Social Innovation Connect podcast. On this podcast, we create space for reflective dialogue between Albertan changemakers who are working together to create meaningful change in the face of complex problems. Problems like homelessness, addictions, climate change, and racism, where multiple underlying causes interact in complex ways and there is no straightforward solution. In today's episode, we chat with Talia Bell and John Vardellos, co-founders of the Social Impact Lab in Calgary. If you're a changemaker who's starting to dabble in social innovation tools and approaches, you may have heard about or even been involved in a social innovation lab. The Social Impact Lab, founded in 2018 as a partnership between the United Way of Calgary and Area and J5 Innovation, is one example of a social innovation lab. Social innovation labs use facilitated processes to bring together a diverse group of organizations and individuals, including people with lived experience, to address complex problems. A lab typically combines two approaches, systems thinking, working to understand the different factors, actors, and interactions that contribute to a messy problem, and human-centered design, the development of new services and business models based on a deep understanding of user needs and experiences. As social innovation labs increase in popularity, we have an incredible opportunity to learn from the experiences and reflections of changemakers who are bringing this new way of working into their sectors and communities. ABSI Connect's Elise Martinowski sat down with John and Talia to learn more about why they created the Social Impact Lab, how the lab works, the tensions they face, and what they've learned over the past year and a half. Without further ado, here's their conversation. Hello, and welcome to our guests from the Social Impact Lab, Talia Bell and John Verdalis. To get us started, would each of you be able to introduce yourselves along with the role you're at in the lab and how you came to be there? Sure. Uh, well, I'll start then. My name's Talia Bell, and I'm the director of the Social Impact Lab here in Calgary. And my role is really helping to animate the lab in a partnership with J5 Design and Innovation and play that coordinating role between United Way Calgary and the lab in terms of providing a platform around innovation and design thinking to the social sector. And the way we came to be there was through some work back uh, about a year and a half ago, we got working with J5 Design and Innovation to explore how we look at generating revenue and new ways to address the ever-increasing need for service and demand for service in our community, and how we do that uh, with different methods and approaches and not the typical campaign generating revenue uh, ways. And so we, we learned that we were in over our heads, I think, right away and got hooked up with J5, who helped us dig deep into how to understand the viability and feasibility and desirability of the solutions that we were trying to generate. 
And through that process, we had great chemistry with, uh, with the J5 and uh, leveraged their methodology to say, this is a different way of working and it is producing different types of outcomes and impacts. And what if we were to leverage something like this for the sector? What if we were able to provide something that leveraged design thinking and systems thinking in a way that the whole community could access and we could derive new solutions and insights to address some of our most complex social issues in community? And so that's how well, we came to be. <laughs> I'm John Bardalis. I'm the CEO of J5, and I also work very closely with Talia inside the Social Impact Lab. I co-founded it with her and some other folks uh, from the United Way. And the reason why the Social Impact Lab is such an important thing for J5 and for the community is based on the fact that we've been working in the innovation space, as Talia mentioned, for quite some time with corporations. However, we recognized that there was an opportunity to apply some of our methodology and thinking and the things that we do, again, with corporations to the nonprofit sector. And it's been really exciting for us to realize through the collaboration with United Way that all of these things are just as important and just as relevant to the social sector and social services as it is in corporations. Lovely. Thank you for introducing yourself. Um, before we dig into a bit more of the lab approach, would you be able to tell me what's the change that you want to see in the community? Well, for myself, again, having worked with corporations for quite some time now, six years as J5, we've seen a lot of impact as it relates to solving business problems. However, there are a lot of very wicked, large, complex problems in the social sector. And for me, it's about how can we get people starting to think about innovation and design thinking through the lens of our most vulnerable people as well? Because the impact that we can have in the community if we can start to change the way that we look at problems, the way that we solve problems, could transform the way that all of us experience everyday living, whether we're a business, whether we're a father like myself, whether any, any sort of facet that, that of our lives that's, that's impacted, it's something that we can start to improve. Well, I just want to say ditto. No. <laughs> um, I think where, it, when I think about the nonprofit sector and I think about complex social problems and the fact that problems, if, if the nonprofit sector could solve social issues alone, well, we would have done it. And I think the change that I want to see in the world is, or the world, <laughs> the community, <laughs> we'll, start, yeah. we'll start smaller, start small. uh, would be just the way that we all come together to work on that, on complex social problems. I think that the, the synergies and the insights and the, um, the ideas and the power of working together generates solutions that are different than the typical perhaps programs and services we see. And I, I talk about the lab all the time as an and. So the and to the services that we have in community is so critical because services and programs are still needed. You have to have a point of access when you are facing a, a problem or an issue in your life. And so that's important. But where do you step back to have those to have that creative space to be able to look at problems differently, to be able to collaborate with stakeholders from 
the community, like citizens and corporations and academia and just people who have lived experience and or are experiencing some of the issues and really work together to be able to to uncover those. Mm-hmm. And so that creative space that you just described is the lab. Absolutely. So why don't we dive into that? Great. Talk to us about the lab, what you do there, how it works. Anytime you're executing your current business model or the things that are required to take care of your current customers, you're going to get into a pattern. Uh, this is how we do things. This is how we work. You become experts at reliability. You become experts at reducing risk. You become experts at operations. However, that can take away from the time uh, that's required to actually innovate, to start thinking different, to start thinking from the outside in versus the inside out. The lab provides that platform, that place, both physically, and I'm sure Talia will speak as well a little bit later about the digital platform that we're also designing right now and going to be rolling out shortly, but a place that people can come together, gather, and work in a, in a different way that's away from their day-to-day operations. We say it all the time, get out of your building. The minute you get out of your building, you start to look at the world differently. When we travel, and when we go on tra- travels and we see other cultures and other countries and other places, we start to think differently about the way that we live. We start to be inspired. It's the same thing with the lab. The lab gives people an opportunity to leave their place and come to a different place where we can shake up the way they think, we can help them self-disrupt, help them try things they wouldn't try necessarily in their own environment. Yeah, and test. I, um, I think one, the, one of the things that I've learned most from J5 in, in our partnership is first to fall in love with the problem. So I was famous for falling in love with the solution, and I think it, it's a natural human behavior to seek solution and seek answers to problems. And so it's easy to fall in love with <laughs> solutions. But if we fall in love with the problem, we understand the problem differently. And by understanding something deeply and its whole and its root, we can then address the true problem rather than perhaps sometimes it's the symptoms of a problem. And so I think that's one of the pieces I would add in terms of the way that we're working. And then testing. And testing is Gosh, that's not new. <laughs> and, and, you know, when I think of our lab, our lab is, is in the true form of if you think of um, a science lab where you go to the lab to test many things. That's what we're doing in our lab. It's, it's, so we're not running the idea of mini labs. We're running the lab is the platform and lots of different things are happening within the lab that we're testing and prototyping and experimenting with. Those three words all kind of mean the same thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> um, and, and through that testing, we, we're, we allow ourselves to validate before investing in programs and services and or products or whatever the solution might look like, campaigns or advocacy or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that is a different approach within the nonprofit sector, too. And so it allows us to make small bets before making big bets on things that will, will have an impact in community. So that's that's part of the way we work as well. And then John mentioned, mentioned the digital platform, which we're about to bring online. So we have been testing in the digital space for a while in terms of how we engage community at a broader scale without having to come into a physical space. So how do you participate in 
whether it's ideation or feedback or voting or crowdfunding or you know, name it, mm-hmm. uh, our innovation platform will allow you to be able to connect from across the globe, really, if you if you so choose, uh, to to impact the work that we're we're doing in the lab, and we'll do that in the form of challenges that go out to the community. So we're really excited for that. That's about to launch. August is our our anticipated time frame for when we we launch. Mm-hmm, lovely. Well, for the listeners, tune back to August on the Social Impact Lab <laughs> website yes. for the new launch. Definitely follow us on on our website, so you, we'll uh, we'll definitely announce it through our through our news channel. That's great. Um, and would you be able to give an example of one of the complex problems that you've worked on in the lab in the physical space? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we started out working on children and youth mental health. And that work began late summer of 2018. So we're just rolling into about a year right now. And we started with some research that looked at the gaps in, in that space, so it just in general. And we, we married the research off of the gap map that was done back in 2014 by Alberta Health Services for the province. And that, that we looked from the lens of children and youth specifically to Calgary, and from that, we saw some, some issues emerging. And so the problems that emerged were around access to services, navigating all of the different services and programs that exist out there, and coordination of services. So those were the three themes. And from that, we, we dug deeper into it, and we held many different workshops and focus groups and conversations with stakeholders in the community. We engaged hundreds of people in Calgary and were able to derive 13 different experiments that we then took forward into the, to the lab. And so those, all that engagement led to ideas that we then took forward to testing. Testing continued to engage community, And we have three products that were, I say products, three solutions that we're about to uh, launch in community. One is uh, an app Mm -hmm. around well-being. One is a simulation that supports natural supports. So people like parents and teachers and coaches and friends and relatives to be that great support to a youth who may be facing a mental health concern. And the other is an in-school digital program around mental health and mental wellness and understanding the signs of your own mental wellness and what you can do to create positive mental wellness. So those are some of the the very high level. Mm -hmm. If anyone is listening that would like to dig in deeper, happy to do so, give me a call. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the mental health work was our first launch point to really test our methodology uh, that we had adapted with J5 for the lab. And we're now also working concurrently on childhood poverty. And we're also working with a company on a financial stability product. So some different pieces are happening. That idea, again, of the lab with lots of issues working in it. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that's been very successful in the lab is a program called Inspire which is a 12-week program where we bring in nonprofits that have a relationship with United Way of Calgary. And we put them through a 12-week business model innovation program. So most of the nonprofits that United Way supports and most of the nonprofits that they don't currently support are also struggling within their own models to try to figure out what are the, the new things they need to be thinking about, what are, what are the changing 
needs, unmet needs of their customers that they exist to serve. So by bringing them into Inspire, we're giving them an opportunity to embrace some of those behaviors that Talia was talking about around testing and prototyping and challenging your own cognitive biases and all the things that typically get in the way of you trying new things or really learning about what people want because typically we're so focused on our, again, back to our own operations and the, the lens that we look through through our own business versus the actual customer's view. So that's been incredible working inside of that program. And, and I think the impact that we've, well, I know that the impact that we've had has been amazing. We just actually received an award from Aspen called the Hope Award for, for the, the experience that they had inside of Inspire, which was amazing. And we continue to keep that program open. The other thing I'd say is that we, back to Talia's point about continuing to test our assumptions, within the Children and Youth Mental Health, we have a exhibit actually at the Calgary Public Library right now downtown in their create space, which is a great opportunity for people that are listening here to go in and actually start to understand how we engage with, with the public, with stakeholders. It's a talks a lot about the work that we're doing and it gives people an opportunity to provide some feedback as well. And it's going to be there for the next couple months, I believe. So yeah, it's up till end of end of August. Yeah, and it's one example of a way that we engage. So there's so many ways to engage community. But how you know, what are all how do we do that in a way that creates insights and ideas. And I know we've we've been up for one month now. And so far, it's been quite successful in generating a lot of insights, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, and talking through those uh, examples that you gave, which were fabulous examples, uh, the tensions, there's tensions in all of that and bumps in the road and assumptions that we have to let go of. Do you care to dive into some of those? <laughs> how, you, how you encountered those, what they were, and how you made it through? There's, I mean, sure, there's a tension or two. <laughs> <laughs> Never in social innovation, no way. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, social innovation is one of those things. That, so I've been working in the social innovation space for since maybe I would say 2012, in, intentionally perhaps would be the way to, to say that. It's always the holding space tension. I think that's maybe the one that I would play on the most of holding space. So how do you hold enough space to be able to do the emergent work? Because you don't know what the answer will be, the solution will be, the outcome will be. And in a sector such as the nonprofit sector, where we're so driven by outcomes and impact and measurement, stepping back from saying we know what the outcome will be and we're already measuring and investing for that is difficult. And so that's a tension of how to bring people along how to find those early adopters who are willing to sit in the riskier space. So this is definitely seen as risky space for the nonprofit sector, innovation and, and helping people to see that the investment in innovation is as critical in the nonprofit sector as it is in the business sector is another tension I think that we, we play. And so it's exciting where we're at now because we are starting to show outcomes and impact from our work, such as the solutions in our mental health work. And that will only lead to, I think, a bit more patience and space for us to be able to do this work and carve out that space to do it well. Mm -hmm. The last thing I'd just say about that is 
the timing. So in emergent work where you are holding space for whether it's testing and, and learning, things are inevit inevitably not going to work and you're going to stop doing them. And so that is hard for some. <laughs> and so, for example, the 13 experiments. Well, we, didn't, we weren't promising 13 solutions, but as we were communicating that we were taking 13 ideas into testing, people started to say, oh, they have 13 ideas that will go into community. No, th there's only three. <laughs> 10 were not viable, feasible, and or desirable at some point. And so just helping people to navigate that space is, is something that we're learning. There, for me, there's three things that any organization can think about when they're considering innovation. The first thing is, at a leadership level, is the leadership team ready? Have they taken the time to decide what innovation means to them and what is the outcome that they're searching for? Because that really starts to help you figure out, again, as an organization, what level of whisk, risk are you willing to take on and what does that time horizon look like? The second is the organization itself. So the people that work inside that organization, do they have the right mindset? Because innovation is all about uncertainty. It's not about looking to the past. It's about looking to the future. And the future is highly uncertain. It's changing very quickly. So if you go into a future-type thinking exercise and the toolkit you're bringing is a toolkit that's based on what has come before or what you've used before, that may not necessarily equip you to be able to be successful in the future. And the third thing is the tools and the practices. So those people that work inside that organization, those leaders that lead those organizations need to be learning new tools. So when we talk about prototyping and testing, we're not talking about using PowerPoint decks and Excel spreadsheets. We're talking about using different types of technologies. We talked about this, this community, this digital community that we're gonna be pushing out to gather insights. We talk about prototyping tools and software tools that are much more creative and more about telling stories. So it really challenges organizations to think about what, what, is, the, what is the leadership doing? How is your organization feeling? And how are how is your organization investing in the tools that are required for both those different stakeholders to be successful? Yeah, I would just add that that's something, you know, as J5 that you guys really helped bring to the partnership to ensure our readiness before we leapt into this space. And I would say to United Way, we work with a lot of corporations. However, United Way is probably, well, not probably, again, they are the organization that has made that investment with us over the long term. A lot of organizations we work with look at innovation as a project, not necessarily at a business model level. I think for J5, the opportunity for us in the marketplace to continue to grow is about identifying partnerships like the one we have with the United Way and moving away from organizations that believe that innovation and transformation is something that happens in three months. So. I wish it did. <laughs> Me too. Be much handier that way. <laughs> um, and so to jump on that, when those tensions are arising, there's the adaptation and the fast turns, trying to adapt to what's happening, making sure that it's working. And that leads to changes in approach. So you've been around for a year now. 
how have some of your approaches to your work changed? Maybe some initial <laughs> ones that you had, and now they've completely shifted one summer later. Like on the daily, hey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we. I feel like the lab really leans into its, its, uh, its purpose in that we are constantly iterating and adapting on, on everything, including our business model. And when I look back to, so we started in February 2018, at the end of February, and from that point of what we thought the lab would be and do, I mean, it's a totally different animal now, <laughs> which is great because it shows that as we've been learning, we've been adapting and we've been bringing what we've learned into our, our, our method and our model. And so things like I, John talked about Inspire, we never could have dreamed that a program like Inspire was going to be part of the lab's offering, but through conversation with our nonprofit organizations and, and lots of, of informal type conversations and open houses, and we realized quickly that this would be something that could be a, a, an important offering for, for the whole sector because they're all dealing with their own problems and their own issues within their own business models and looking to how they bring, how they innovate and how they sustain and how they create different types of impacts. So just like United Way is looking at, at our own transformation as an organization, so too are our other nonprofits. So how do we provide a service to support them to do that? So that would be one example, I think, of how we've definitely just continued to adapt and iterate the other piece is we have now have a, an offering, it's a fee-for-service arm, but we didn't set out to do that, but it's quickly become something that we've been at. Can you help us to create this? Can you help us with a design thinking workshop? Can you help us with um, a financial stability product to launch across the country? Things like that have started to surface in our after about our one-year period. And so that has lent to, again, an adaptation of our business model and a revenue-generating stream that although we, you know, we always anticipated how do we look at revenue generation in a way that creates sustainability for the lab, we didn't necessarily have that baked in terms of this is what it would look like. <laughs> so all of it is around adaptation and iteration, and I think we, we live that. We live that every day. And something, that's something I'm really proud of. Because to take learning and to continue to improve and create value is, that's, that's what we're trying to do. And so to end, we're going to end on a positive note and thinking about what you're most hopeful for as you look ahead. Ooh, so many things. <laughs> for me, with the work in the lab, I'm hopeful that we can continue to get buy-in and support from the community. One of the things that I've really noticed and I'm very hopeful for is that as a community, we're starting to, to change. As a city, we're starting to change. We're looking for new ways to innovate. We're supporting businesses. We're investing in super clusters. We're doing all these amazing things. However, I would love to see the city, the government, people starting to rally around social innovation. As a place right now that is leading the social innovation agenda for Calgary, as the lab, I think we are a great place for people to come to explore ways to scale and ways to work in this new way. So I'm hopeful that we can get more businesses, more government, 
eyeballs on what we're doing mm -hmm. and come in and have conversations with us around how we can help the city scale the impact that we've already proven can be done inside the lab. Yeah, uh, I, I, there's lots of look to the business sector, but I think, you know, here's an example where it's a, a sector not typically seen necessarily for innovation doing it. And there's others out there, I know. And so how do we bring light to all of that great work? Um, I'm most hopeful for, for, for what John said. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also hopeful for, I think there's a lot of potential and there is a lot of conversation happening right now with colleagues across the country and at our worldwide level around how we might look at bringing this type of approach to other areas of our country and potentially North America and beyond. And so I'm hopeful for how, how we look at impacting the greater, and I'll speak for United Way in this instance, but the greater United Way movement to transform. Because I think that that is an important and, and critical opportunity for us to consider we're all impacted by disruption, not just here in Calgary and not just United Way. All, all sectors are being disrupted, whether it be through digital or uh, global purview, government, all kinds of things. And so how do, we, how do we look at new ways of working and bring that to scale? And so I think I'm, I'm most hopeful for that. And I'm also hopeful for the types of solutions and ideas that are being generated through the lab and how they might have an impact in community. And I'm excited to see where that goes and to be able to, to assess the, the impact of that over time. I think there's a lot of amazing learnings that United Way, that Talia, the board of the United Way, the leadership at the United Way has had through this, this journey over the last year and a half. So I'd also probably encourage the organizations that work with United Way of Calgary today in whatever capacity it is, to engage with them and learn more about what they're doing and the success they're having. Because I think there's massive opportunities for leaders inside of these organizations in Calgary to learn from the experiences of the United Way and potentially create new collaborations and partnerships that didn't necessarily exist before. The one thing that we're really learning in the lab, again, Talia and I talk about this a lot, is that we are doing something different. We are leading right now in the city. If you look around around who's doing what in innovation, I think we can comfortably say that we're one of the organizations in town that probably has the most experience and success in this space. So again, I'd encourage people, reach out to us, come and talk to us. We have a, a lot of great things we're doing that we'd love to share with people. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you. And yeah, that's a wrap. Awesome. awesome. Mm -hmm. Is it a wrap? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pause. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge that the conversation you heard today was recorded on Treaty 7 territory, a land steeped in ceremony and history that until relatively recently was used exclusively by Indigenous peoples. We acknowledge the past, present, and future generations of Stony Nakoda, Blackfoot, and Tsutsina nations, as well as the Métis nations who have traditionally gathered in and cared for this place. This episode was produced by Alberta Social Innovation Connect, or ABSI Connect. You can learn more about our network, find our newsletter, and get inspired by and connected to other Albertan changemakers by visiting our website, www.absiconnect.ca. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please help us out by sharing it with a friend and rating us on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. We'd also love to hear your feedback and reflections on the show. Our funding partner is the Suncor Energy Foundation. Lisa Pruden from the Edmonton Community Foundation edited and produced this episode. Thanks to Talia and John for the gift of their time, their patience as we encountered several technical issues, and most of all for their thoughtful reflections. Theme music was created by the Fort McMurray Youth of the Soundforce Collective. <laughs>